This is Dylan FM, the podcast that goes deep into the work and world of Bob Dylan. If you love Dylan, you're in the right place with your host, Craig Danuloff. If you Google the words Bob Dylan and Guitar Hero, you will learn that his music was added to the Activision game in 2009. If you try to search for Bob Dylan and guitar style, you'll find a bunch of articles about his guitars. For a guy who gets talked about a lot, not many people seem to be talking about his musicianship in general or his guitar playing in specific. But there is a rebellious musicologist in Oslo, Norway, who's been working diligently to right this wrong. His name is Elf Ulström, and for years, he's run a great website called Dylan Chords, which shares guitar tab and more serious musical analysis about Bob Dylan, the musician. He's recently started publishing on Substack and a page called Dylanology, where he recently started a series exploring Bob's guitar work specifically on Good As I've Been To You and World Gone Wrong. Perfect timing for our own look at these two albums, and so we got together for a chat a few weeks ago. Aelf has a PhD in musicology and a deep passion for Dylan's work. As you'll hear today, he has the ability to both hear and then verbalize what Dylan is doing musically, helping those of us who don't understand suspended chords and harmonics to appreciate and start to understand what Bob is doing and why it excites us. We talked about Bob's guitar playing, how it evolved from his early solo acoustic period through the decades, how it changed on these two albums specifically, and what happened to it from time out of mind forward. We also talked about how Bob plays in concert. More importantly, Eilf starts to point out and explain some of what Bob is doing that I think most of us don't see or understand and could certainly not name. And like the great Dylan authors who unpack some of what's going on in Bob's lyrics, I think it's fascinating and instructive. We spoke for about an hour and made it through only a few of the points he talks about in those recent Substack articles. I recommend you go read them via the links in our show notes. To hear the full conversation, become an FM Plus subscriber either directly in Apple Podcasts or by visiting fmpods.com. There are now 30 extended episodes of this show for subscribers and a dozen from the Time Out of Mind series that are only available to subscribers. FM Plus members also get access to over 50 Pod Dylan subscriber-only episodes, the newest of which went up this week and is a fun 90-minute discussion of the Band of the Hand movie, which Dylan wrote the theme song for. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Alf as much as I did, and I hope it inspires you to shift a little more focus during your listening to Bob's guitar and what's going on in the music in general. Please let me know in the comments if you like this kind of beginner's deep dive into the musical side of Dylan. I'd like to do more of them if it's well-received. Well, welcome, Alf. Thanks for agreeing to talk about um, World Gone Wrong and Bob Dylan's music and the, the great work you do on your Dylanology substack. Well, thanks for having me. We talked about just coincidence. We've been focusing on Good As I've Been To You and World Gone Wrong, and, and you just dug into it in a couple of great uh, posts on substack. And um, what's interesting to me is, as we chatted about an email, that the, the musical side of Dylan doesn't get as much attention and discussion and, and especially dissection as the lyrics do. And I don't think that's because the music at all doesn't impact or 
register with people. I think they lack, <laughs> I'm speaking for myself here, they, they lack the ability to describe it or, or discuss it in, in a way that they can about lyrics, whether they're qualified or not, maybe on that, on that ground. But lyrics, are, the music is just kind of this mystery to most of us. But you clearly have the ability to <laughs> get inside it and break it down and explain it, which is great. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit today about how you do that. Maybe just introduce yourself a little bit and how you came to have that skill and how you started bringing it to what Bob Dylan does. Well, okay. I'm a, I'm a guy from the West Coast of Norway, which means that there was nothing like a record store anywhere. So I, I, I uh, spent some time looking for the first Dylan album to buy when I was around 15 or 16. And, and I ended up buying uh, Highway 61, which turned out to be a happy, happy choice. But I, I, um, I've been working my way through how should I put it, the, the, all kinds of musical worlds and 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 uh, insisting on, I, I I knew that Beatles were the Beatles were great. Bob Dylan was good. Beethoven was great, and Bach was good. And there was this French book called "Do You Like Brahms?" So I knew that Brahms was important to. It was important to have an answer to that. So I I I, I spent some time. I, I spent most of my time actually uh, listening to music. Of all kinds, and uh, eventually I took a PhD in musicology on Gregorian chant, uh, which is a quite a bit, quite some some distance from from Bob Dylan, but but uh, maybe not really because uh, I mean I started. Well, this is actually a, a, a segue to uh, "Good as I've Been to You" because that was one of the first albums that I bought after I had been saved so to speak and, and i stood in the record store and listened to those the, the first guitar stuff on frankie and and johnny and i was just uh i was sold and the, then when when the well gone ron came uh, came out the year after i heard that those first really ugly sounds on the title track and i i just thought i i i have to have that and i have to understand why it is, and now I come back to what you were saying initially, that that most people may be attracted to his lyrics and on some level connect to his music, but, but they think that you have to have some kind of special understanding to be able to, to explain that. And and I, 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 my point of departure has always been, okay, I understand that there's something great here, because I'm touched, I'm 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 uh, I may not dance because I'm not that kind of academic, but but anyway, I'm uh, I'm touched by it. Ergo, there must be something here that is that explains that. And since this is all just sound waves, there must be some way to just pick those sound waves apart and say, okay, it, maybe it's that tone, or maybe it's that little. Uh, uh, pause in the in the in the in the voice, or that slight inflection, or that tinge of sadness, or whatever it is that makes me uh, want to connect with that. And and uh, good as I've been to you, and well gone wrong, where are I think uh, prime examples of that because it is so simple, so bare, uh, and and so seemingly what's the word 
um, rudimentary, and and yet it 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 has this ability to to touch me and you, obviously, uh, evidently, and 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 the rest of us. Uh, so um, I then took it upon me to try to uh, put some of that into words, and that's the second aspect of it. I mean, I mean, I am a musicologist, and there are not many musicologists who are interested in Bob Dylan's music because it is seemingly too simple. And I mean, the cliche: he can't sing; he can only play three chords on his guitar. What's in What's in it for me as a musicologist to invest uh, time and energy and, and reputation on, on, on investigating something that is so simple? What I started thinking when you were describing that is, you know, in terms of the, the simplicity of, of his, or the rudimentary nature of what he does, is just like the lyrics get credit for driving his success often, but in the same way that the, you know, the, not the singing voice, but the expressiveness and the, the method he uses to sing, which you know, some like Paul Williams and other people have done a great job of breaking down the stretches and syllables and all of that. The music is clearly part of the alchemy. I, I also like the idea of looking at these albums in particular as a great place to start because if it's complicated for me anyway to try to understand what's going on in a single guitar, it really becomes impossible when there's five people or who knows what's in the mix, you know, 17 things somewhere that the engineer has mixed in there, which are changing and echoing on themselves. And, you know, I, I hear people talk about that stuff and I, I'm glad they can tell or describe it. But, uh, you know, I just wind up with the resultant feeling and impact. It is clever and useful for us to say, boy, let's start with something that those of us who don't aren't PhDs in musicology, can, can break apart and start to understand. Because I think the same way when we listen to you know, a Michael Gray or one of the other great analysts of the lyrics, we might not be able to do it for the next lyric ourselves, what they have done. But we now understand it and it opens up something about that we take to the rest of the listening, which is kind of the point. Let's just start. We'll dig in a little bit to your article. I love, <laughs> I love the beginning. In case you hadn't noticed, Dylan is strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're referring, you know, to the way he talks about guitar. And then, you know, in the intro to this, you talk about the fact, and I think this is an important insight for those of us who can't process music in this way, that something was different about this, the sound on these acoustic albums. I've now read all the reviews, uh, contemporaneous reviews, uh, and and subsequent reviews of Good As I've Been To You and World Gone Wrong. And maybe it's a different discussion, but it also must be frustrating for a musicologist or someone with your way of looking at this to read reviews that never touch these issues at all. You know, like how can you review an album and not be able to articulate or even reference that he's doing something significantly different in the guitar and that's the feeling, you know, that comes through? And, you know, you say, to to summarize, there it was, a magnificent, skilled, exciting guitar track, which is not a phrase that probably has been written a whole lot of times about Dylan guitar track. No, no. Well, the the one exception being Don't Think Twice, which uh, Clinton Hale insists is not played by Dylan uh, at all. But, but, uh, well, that aside, 
it came as a surprise for good reason because he, uh, I mean, he hadn't been playing the acoustic guitar alone. Uh, well, one of one or two exceptions during the the early parts of the um, the, 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 the the never ending tour and and also some tracks on the funded uh, review, but 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 Dylan with a guitar all by himself doing something exciting uh, was of course a, a huge novelty uh, and it, it took me by surprise and and uh, and probably else too and um, you you said that I would be frustrated by the lack of, of uh, reference to that in in the reviews I I take that as a um, reflection of knowledge that those reviewers have but are maybe not aware of so that when when people are thrilled by these albums it's of course by the lyrics and by the phrasing and, and so on but it is also by the or primarily by the, the the music making i mean had if dylan had come to new york in 1962 and and uh, went out on the street corners in the village and uh, recited his poetry nobody would have paid him any mind so from the very beginning, it was because of his way of merging musical sound and, and linguistic sound that, that has made that impact. And I, I hear that so strongly on, on these two albums as well. The, 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 um, what I referred to in the, in the second piece as the mess in the message, those little extras that that make us recognize this not just as a song, as a stylized expression in in with discrete uh, uh, pitches and and fixed rhythms, but but, uh, but as an extension of someone, as if someone were just speaking freely and saying something very important to us about little Maggie or about uh, Delia or death or love or or all those things. Uh, as if it came straight out of his own mind through his guitar, and and it's those aspects of the guitar playing, those little frowns and winks and and inflections in tone that that I think creates this impression of 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 uh, someone just speaking freely. And I love the way that you describe those, and you have little clips in your posts where people can can see or, or can hear what you're, what you're relating to. So w- when you recognize either at the time or, or later, the distinction in his guitar playing in this early nineties from earlier, I, I guess it makes me want to think ask directly about the comparison to the Dylan album, the first one um, mm-hmm. where we have him and a guitar and, and is it evidence of, of greater competency or is it, is it taking a different approach when you boil down to what was different 30 years later from, from the earlier. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, other recordings of him alone with an acoustic guitar in those early couple of years. Was this a, was it growth? Was it a conscious change? Was it, he needed a different tool to accomplish a different goal that made these nineties, this nineties playing so different. I think it was all of, all of those. Uh, I think, that he, um, this will be speculation, but I, I, I assume that he, when he has, when he's sitting by himself at home with a guitar over his knee, he will, will have been played 
all kinds of styles, even in the during the eighties and the seventies and, and and all the periods where we don't have any evidence of it. Uh, but that aside, I think that the the, the late eighties would have been a period of change for him, and that that is one that is one of the points that I've been trying to uh, approach from from different angles. For instance, I wrote about um, dark eyes which has some of the same kind of playing uh, as on on these two 90s acoustic albums uh, in that he is working with these sometimes strange sometimes um, or at least unusual shapes uh, chord shapes for him uh, up and down the neck uh, I mean the guitar playing on dark eyes is, is it's just weird why would he do that? Why would he play it like that? Why would he play it in A and not just in G, which would have made for a much easier guitar track? And and given the, the recording history of Dark Eyes, I mean, based the way he tells it, that he, he needed an, an acoustic track, and he just went back to the hotel room and, and wrote it and recorded it the next day in one, one take or whatever. That, to me, tells me that this is what Dylan can play in his sleep. Dark Eyes, the playing on Dark Eyes is not strange. It's not an arrangement. It's just what he does. Well, let's dive into the techniques. So you've identified a series of techniques or elements that you found throughout these albums that, that you break down in, in great detail in the blog post. And the first is the melodic bass, which you talk about Blackjack Davy as the uh, initial example. Let me play the little clip you did. Great first example, and back to our idea that this is, even for me, you can see it's a relatively simple thing. There's not a lot going on. Sounds lovely. It's distinctive. Tell us what you hear in there and what you're pointing out to us that Dylan is doing there. Well, first of all, he is uh, replicating the melody of the song in, in, in the, in the, on the bass strings, the lowest part of the... Uh, yeah, on the, on the I mean, he, he plays the melody on the bass strings, basically. That, that's what he does. Uh, while doing so, he uh, keeps some of those elements from the early 60s style that, I, that you referred to, that the, 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 uh, the, the ping pong between the bass strings and the upper strings, where the upper strings are playing the part of the, the rhythm section. What he does here, in addition to all that, is that the, the song is in minor, but he plays it in a way that it plays it in, in with G major chords, but in G minor, which means that there has to become clashes between the open second string, which is a B, and, and the, the third of the melody, which is the B flat. So you all constantly have this clash between the B flat on the, on the second deepest string, second lowest string, and the, the B on the second brightest string and, and and that is one of the the messy things that he does in the, in on this track uh he doesn't care if two tones that really don't belong together they are um as jarring as any two tones can be together 
uh, he doesn't care. He just plays them. Uh, completely aware that the playing style is um, it's not polished. It's rough and it's uh, it lacks this regard for beauty that, I mean, you might see this as, a, as his protest against the, the, the atrocious 80s mixes on, on the uh, uh, Empire Burlesque and, and, and uh, even those albums that I won't even <laughs> knock out load and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I mean, this is as far from Empire Burlesque as you can possibly get because he just emphatically doesn't care if it sounds like shit uh, and that, because that's what he wants. But it's interesting because, well, simplistically, it sounds great, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in other words, I wonder whether, as you started describing that, my first thought is, well, it sounds like these technically don't go together or this methodology is unusual in some way, and yet it works. So is one way to look at it to say, well, I don't care what the ingredients are if the final culmination sounds and feels the way I want, this is kind of a perfect way to, to break this down because he's, according to you, you know, he's, he's violating these technical things. There's these clashes <laughs> going on. I would never know that. Well, let's do it this way. When a, when a trained musician, you're a musicologist and you're looking at it through a, a hell of a microscope, if you casually listened, if you, if a, do you think most knowledgeable music people hear that and kind of, do they... Is it a wince? Is it a curiosity? Is it a damn that's inventive? I, I, I break down those problems and those strangeness a little bit more because I think it's, you know, it's interesting. And, and, and is it reasonable to say he thinks putting these together produces an overall effect that I actually like and intend? So I'm going to do it. Well, uh, to take the last things first, I think definitely he he wants it like this. I mean, uh, he wants the the rawness, and he wants the. I mean, even from uh, on on this um, uh, liner note to uh, John Baez in concert volume is it two or three, which he wrote about the the, the ugliness of the he's sitting there in the on the by the railroad tracks and and ripping out the grass from the ground and uh, only ugliness is beautiful i mean from the very beginning he has he has this, he has cherished ugliness as a way of expression uh, rawness and 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 as as opposed to the polished voice of john bias before he realized that there was some sorrow and some pain in there somewhere and then then he opened up to uh, to, to to beauty as a way of as a, as a true way of expressing oneself, but but still he has always loved ugliness. So that's one first part of the of the answer. A second aspect of it is uh, what um, Nassim Taleb, the Lebanese philosopher or whatever it is, uh, refers to as as um, when he talks about it when you when you talk to someone on the t- on the phone. Where there is this slight distortion, that actually enhances understanding or the concentration because there is this slight 
amount of of of, of dirt or 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 uh, uh, distraction disturbance which forces you to uh, to focus even more on what is being said and i think that is exactly what what Dylan is doing by by introducing these or by constantly keeping these these uh, uh, elements of 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 uh, dirt or grit in, in his music making uh, and of course, as a, a third thing is is this uh, protest that I mentioned against the um, perfect polishedness of the eighties albums and that aesthetic that that re- represents. You asked if musically skilled people will hear the 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 imperfect I- imperfections in in the playing, and I I will say yes, they hear it, and I will be as bold as to say that you hear it as well. You may not be able to uh, to um, put it into words what it is that you're hearing, but I, I'm convinced that part of the reason why you like that sound is because there is that dirt in it. Eilf continues on this explanation, and we continue talking about several more of his examples. We discuss the way Dylan plays single phrases over a dozen different ways in one song, and why he does it, and the effect it has on us as listeners. There's another 30 minutes here of what I found to be a very interesting explanation of this, and it's all in the extended version of this episode. Here's one more clip from our discussion. So musically, is that... Is it challenging or impressive to do the same thing that many ways, and yet many listeners, I don't want to say don't notice, but, you know, because maybe it's the variation that we like about it. Is that a hard thing to do, to, to find those changes, or is it just a bold choice? I think it's neither. I mean, it's not difficult to play it like that, uh, and it's not a bold choice. I think, again, it, that's just what he does. Uh, I mean, he, he hasn't planned that, oh, in this verse, I will. I will play it FG, and this verse I will play it as C suspended fourth. It, it, it just happens that way, and I think that's. Uh, I mean, when I describe this as Dylan speaking guitar, that, that's exactly what it does. I mean, it's just what intuitively comes out of his fingers because the lyrics have this or that mode, or or because uh, it requires that for instance in the in the last two verses uh, it begins with uh, fg fg uh, and then on the second round the fg comes on the, on the, in, the in the second position uh, I, um, it's hard to describe it but there is a huge difference between just slightly adding a little finger on the c chord and making it a C suspended four, and almost no perceptible difference from from the C. I mean, it's it's almost flat to this great uh, do do do. It, it's it's much more energetic. Uh, if that's because he, the lyrics require it, or because this is this is now we have sung four verses, we need some change. I don't know. I don't know what he he was feeling or or why he was doing it that, but. I, I'm convinced that he had not, has not planned to play it like this. It just came out that way. And that, that's what is, so again, so fascinating with Dylan as a musician, that there is this 
intuitiveness and there is this direct connection with, with the lyrics from the lyrics to the guitar or vice versa versa that's a wonderful way of of describing it it it's a real service you're doing taking this passion of yours and skill and and helping the rest of us it's it's really interesting and i think helpful so thanks for doing it and for talking to us today about it my pleasure did you enjoy this show then please rate this podcast and leave a review it really helps also sign up for seven days our free weekly newsletter that puts all the top bob dylan news and links into your inbox every sunday use the link in the show notes thanks for listening we